From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Last week, opposition leader Peter Dutton called for policy reform to regulate social media platforms due to their impact on civil debate and discussion. He said debate in this country was absurd, dangerous, reckless and reprehensible. But who gets to define what is and what isn't civil in the public sphere? And what does it say about power? Today, lawyer and contributor to the Saturday paper, Nyado Nguyen, on Peter Dutton, social media, and how impoliteness can be a radical agent of change. It's Monday, July 25. Miadol, last week, the opposition leader Peter Dutton called for regulation of social media and for more civil debate. There's obviously history there and there is a subtext to what Dutton is saying, but what did you think as, as you watched Dutton make that appeal to, to what he calls civility? I think that was that's the initial entry, really. Peter Dutton, illust- it is, he is such a good character to illustrate what is wrong about the framing of incivility or uncivilized debate. I mean, Danton is one of the most, if not the most, polarizing figure in Australian politics. Mr. President, I stand by it. I think Peter Dutton is a racist figure. Well, that's unparliamentary language directed at a a member of the other house. I'd ask that you withdraw that please, Senator Hanson Young. It is my opinion, Mr. President, I will withdraw it for the sake of the chamber. He's been called an extremist. <laughs> He's been referred to as um, as a hyperpartisan person, someone who sees, you know, sort of means justifying the end. And we have seen that in his public career. The reality is, you know, people are scared to go out to restaurants at the night time because they're followed home by these gangs. Home invasions and cars are stolen. And You know, he's weaponised issues of race with regards to asylum seekers or African gangs. We just need to call it for what it is. Of course it's African gang violence. During the African gangs, or the so-called African gang crisis, which he led, he went as far as blaming the death of a young Sudanese girl on gangs, despite pleading from her family, from the community, and from experts saying her death had nothing to do with African gangs. It's gang violence. The gang violence is present here in Victoria, and I think the Victorian government needs to do more than what they've done in recent months and years. He saw a political opportunity and weaponized even the death of someone's child. You know, this that, that to me is, is, a, is a level of incivility, incomprehensible to a person who is supposed to hold a public office. To It's a complete disregard, and he never apologized. It never showed an ounce of civility or grace in the whole process. I mean, this is not a man at all that has any, any grounds to be telling anybody how to conduct um, civil debate. Mm. Yet he is saying that we should be more civil. And in that interview in Sky, he he said that that was something that politicians should should bear in mind, people in the media, journalists should be more civil as well. But in particular, he was really talking about social media, about social media companies. So why do you think that he he's singling social media out in this way? I, I think part of the reason he's singling out social media, which is, I, I thought, another interesting part to explore in the article, is because social media is 
the only media platform that Peter Denton has absolutely no control over, you know, either by his status or by his political position. He, he can't really influence social media in the way he can influence Sky News, in the way that you might be able, because there are political relationships between politicians and traditional media, you know, and those relationships can be good. Maybe they provide us access, but they are also a transactional relationship in some form. So, I mean, I, I find it really revealing that he picked social media because I think social media isn't something he can control either by his political influence or standing. And it's not the ABC. He can't intimidate them with, you know, cutting to their funds or he can't politically intimidate them. So social media has this awkwardness of being a place where anybody technically can say anything to anyone. And it's, it's problematic because of that, but at the same time, quite liberal in, in its ability to allow everybody to have an opinion. And it's not necessarily politically aligned with the goals and the aspiration of someone like Peter Danton, as some of the traditional media are obviously are in their conservative angle, quite aligned to the way that he wants to conduct politics in Australia. We'll be back after this. As a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloane Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking about Peter Dutton's appeal to civility in debate and what's really at stake here. Could you tell me a bit about what it says to you to hear someone who is in a position of power, someone like Peter Dutton, the leader of the opposition, make an appeal like this? What do his comments tell us about about power and, and how it works to defend itself? Well, exactly. How power works to defend itself. I think that's the core the core claim that I'm trying to make, that the appeal to civility is actually an example of power defending itself. The moment he talks about civility without at all indicating how he plans to change or apologize for his behavior, I think that's the moment we become suspect. When civility is, or incivility or uncivilized debate is only ever directed against one class of people, it is often to protect the status quo. If you look at it as a matter of power defending itself, as you, when you look at it as the incivility being used and weaponized against a group, that's how you figure out that it's not being used in good faith when the people that are constantly making complaints about incivility often don't live up to its requirement. So this isn't really just about 
done, is it? We hear these kinds of views, these kinds of calls for stability from other people as well. People like Rupert Murdoch, who who owns the majority of newspapers in Australia, has made similar comments about social media, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, it's def- it's not. I mean, we've, we saw people like Trump uh, complaining about social media. We've seen the former prime minister, too, complaining about social media. In fact, attempting to legislate, you know, to try and deal with trolling behaviour. Murdoch is also one of the people that decried social media. For those of us in media, there's a real challenge to confront. A wave of censorship that seeks to silence conversation. When he was recently receiving an award, you would think the traditional approach is to thank people, but he used it as a platform to complain about social media. This rigidly enforced conformity, aided and abetted by so-called social media, is a straitjacket on sensibility. Too many people have fought too hard in too many places for freedom of speech to be suppressed by this awful woke orthodoxy. Interestingly, he was calling for reforms of, of social media that is quite similar and almost identical to Peter Dalton's call for reforms of social media. You know, so you see an alignment of, you know, both a political and economic interest or a business interest in the suggestions that they have for how we should deal with this perceived incivility or perceived attack on their sensibilities by the uncivilized nature of social social media. And if you look at what is affecting democracy as a whole, it's not just social media, and there are some issues with social media, it is also media monopoly and the lack of media diversity, especially in a place like Australia. On this question of civility then, should we just give up on it? Should people be able to say whatever they want? No, no, I don't think we should. I absolutely don't think I, I I don't think we should give up on civil. I think it's it's very important, but I also think that like most things in life, it is often messy. So to me, to determine what is uncivil, you must first determine what is at stake. You know, so because from slavery to the suffragettes to the civil rights movement to the you know all this disruptive incivility stood up to power. You know, which is to say it stood up to the status quo that has been shielded for a long time by the requirement of civility. Part of living in a diverse democratic society is that the mess is the point sometimes, right? Like the idea that somehow we can find this sanitized area of life where we can have this purely civilized de- debate is, is unrealistic, right? It's, it's impossible. It's, I don't know what the English word for it, but I, but I feel it's almost fanciful and unreal to demand a space in which incivility as a precondition to engage in any debate, we, we you know, there must be, there, there has to be a space with, with a, a civilized space. But moral questions about who are we, how do we live with each other, are difficult, messy concepts. You know, so there is never going to be a time or a place that is sanitised enough to have a sanitised debate. Mm. So without incivility, things won't change. We need it for progress. Well, the, the truth of the matter is if you look at historically, power concedes nothing without a demand. 
and sometimes to question power, to make power uncomfortable, requires you to be uncivil. You know, the road to progress is not paved with good behavior. Anybody who cares about social progress will have to make power uncomfortable. Now, the degrees in which we make power uncomfortable are in the self-questions that we need to wrestle with. I know for sure that if you look at Peter Danton's history of incivilities, if you look at the kind of power of people like Maddox that are calling social media uncivil, to assume that these people in the framing of the problem and the solution they propose have your interests at heart is truly a mistake. Nyado, thank you so much for coming onto the show and for talking to me about all of this. Thank you very much. Mahler's music embodies the very essence of humanity. Experience his epic Song of the Earth with the Australian Chamber Orchestra, Richard Tognetti and internationally acclaimed opera stars Stuart Skelton and Catherine Carby. Opens May 12. Book now at aco.com.au. Also in the news today, the World Health Organization has declared monkeypox a global emergency. The classification is the highest alert the organization can issue and follows a worldwide upsurge in cases. More than 16,000 cases have now been reported in 75 countries, with five deaths. And Federal Employment and Workplace Relations Minister Tony Burke has announced that Labor will fulfil its election promise to pair back the Australian Building and Construction Commission. Burke said the ABCC had overstepped its authority by investigating union members for the flags they fly or the stickers they put on their helmets. He said that as of Tuesday, the ABCC and its powers will be pulled back to the bare legal minimum. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.